Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Colin Dalfit. Thanks for being on the show, Colin. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. Colin owns a property management and construction company that has experienced 300% growth in 10 months. He likes to bring value to investors before they bring him on. He has three engineering degrees and has a professional engineer's license, but has chosen a new path in life. So looking forward to hearing about that, Colin, and, and just this massive growth for your, your property management company and you know how you've done that. And But give us a little more about your, your backstory you know, in real estate or just getting from three engineering degrees. I mean, that that doesn't happen overnight or, you know, without a lot of work, but then, you know, just taking this new path. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it didn't happen overnight. So uh, I did two undergrad engineering degrees in college. Uh, I got a job right out of school, then got my master's uh, at night then got my professional engineer's license, bounced through four jobs in seven years, got unceremoniously let go from two of them, uh, including the last one. And I had already been thinking about real estate, researching real estate, reading, analyzing, you know, just kind of get my mind around the whole industry before I was let go on the last job and I was under contract on my first property. And I said, you know what, let's see, uh, let's see what we can get done here without having to go back to the corporate world. And uh, that was about three and a half years ago now. So that kind of got us to the point that we are we are at now. What kind of property were you focused on at that time or that you had under contract when you were let go? Yeah, so I had a seven unit multifamily building that I was under contract on. And, you know, within, you know, recent, you know, right after I acquired that went out and bought a couple single families, uh, some packages from some people that were trying to get out of the game. Over the next 18 to 24 months, we acquired a handful of their units. I had some partners on some stuff and that's kind of how we started to build up our portfolio to where I could justify not having to go back to the corporate world. You know, it, it seems like the property management space has kind of become your your focus or in your expertise. Is that right? Yeah, that is. So why, you know, why that space? What brought you into focusing on that? Yeah, it's kind of kind of a roundabout way. So once I got up to the point where I was, you know, self-managing 60, 70 doors, I had to invest in the software, right? Because you just can't manage it all. You know, I guess you could go old school, but I decided to go to a software where I could kind of streamline everything. And then from that point, I was like, man, I wonder if I could start third party managing to generate some additional revenue and maybe just bring on one property manager that could then just manage my assets essentially for free if it was a break even proposition. Quickly after I started having that thought and discussing it with some people, I got an introduction to somebody that was looking to sell their property management company. And we went down that discussion and then, you know, getting up through the LOI and then they decided not to sell. But after reviewing their numbers and just seeing how the company worked, I really started to get a lot more interested in the property management space. And then just decided to build my own and grow it to whatever I could. And that's kind of where I got into the business and, and my passion for the business came from. So are you focused on 
a specific type of type of properties to manage or size of properties in a specific market or you know how does that work yeah so we're within about an hour radius of anywhere in the kansas city markets is where we're operating right now we do work with uh, single family investors and we work with large multifamily investors recently we've been brought on for a lot of repositioning of assets so whether it's a single family house that we need to put 30 40 50 thousand dollars into and, and get it back on the market then, or we are getting brought into an apartment complex that's been poorly managed, that needs rehab on every unit and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of work. Uh, we've really been brought into all those different spaces just to try to help you know, value add and manage properties better. So, you know, let's dive into some of that, the 300% growth in 10 months, you know, when what, what has caused that? What was that? What, you know, what, how did that happen? You know, everybody dreams of that kind of growth, right? No matter what their business is. So what caused that and, and what is that type of growth? So what's caused that? Probably numerous things. We've been really networking heavy. I've been networking heavy to expand my network of influence among local investors, owners, realtors to kind of be their, their go-to guy as much as I can. Additionally, we've been trying to perform at a high level. Uh, and I say this to a lot of our investors and to my team, that it seems like the, the bar for property management is set relatively low on what average performance would be. So if we can perform or communicate better than majority of the other managers out there that we're, we're going to succeed. And, you know, we've had some pretty good feedback from a number of our investors and, when we get feedback that's not positive, uh, we always try to internalize that and figure out what did we do wrong? How can we make this this system better just to deliver the best product we can, uh, the most professional property management that we can? Oh, I love that. Uh, so networking heavy, though, you know, what did that look like, though, to, to reach out? Because it really wouldn't matter almost what business you're in. You get you have to have a network. You got to have people that you're meeting and, and people you're adding value to. Or But what did that look like for you, finding these people, the owners and realtors? And, you know, what did that, was there a process to that? You know, I would really say it started with a couple of people. I started building a relationship with them, trying to bring them some sort of value. And they're like, hey, well, I'm want to focus on bigger stuff, but I've got some investors that want some smaller properties and, and are looking for management. Can you help them out? And I help research and analyze some smaller properties when I still had all uh, you know the time and the ability and the bandwidth to do that and was providing them value. Then I got brought in on some of their bigger multifamily deals to start scaling that way. And then you know, those one or two contacts started referring me out to other contacts or making introductions. Oh, hey, you're in this space. Do you know so-and-so? No, I don't know. Okay, well, here's that. And then I go and have a coffee or a lunch or a drink or something with them and get to know them a little bit better and just started building my network out that way. I didn't go out intentionally targeting some people. It really happened organically and through intentional and, and unintentional efforts, I guess. So you mentioned performing at a high level and that you found that the bar was set pretty low. What are a couple ways that you've been, been able to, to really shine or raise that bar? So part of it's communication, communicating with the owners, communicating with, with the tenants as well, letting them know what's going on, coming in and, and having you know, a level of professionalism with trying to deliver uh, accurate data on their reports, trying to, uh, you know, actively, actively manage their property in a way that I would want it managed if I was an investor, because I am an investor. I was an investor before I was a property manager, which I think may give me a, a little bit different view than potentially somebody else, but knowing cash flow struggles and knowing, you know, maintenance struggles and, and how that can impact the dollars and trying to control those and then trying to give 
guidance to owners that isn't always self-serving. Guidance to owners that it's not always self-serving. So you mentioned right off communication. How do you communicate with owners that maybe that's different than what you've noticed in the industry? Well, so each owner has an assigned property manager. So our property managers only have a certain number of owners or a certain number of properties. So they have the ability to communicate with them directly. Additionally, all the owners have my cell phone number. So they can call or text me or email me whenever they would like. So I'm available to the owners directly. I'm not just bringing them in through the sale or just through the network. Okay, great. You're in. Don't ever talk to me again. I'm here for them because a lot of times when I get them brought in, we've worked through this property. I've, I've been there with them through the due diligence process. So you know, we've put together kind of a plan. Okay, we're going to vacate these units. We're going to rehab them. We're going to raise the rents to this. So I am still there helping them execute and build the plan. And then I'm helping coach and communicate with our property managers on the plan and making sure that it gets executed. So let's let's talk about some of the struggles or obstacles just managing that kind of growth. You know, some things you've experienced in, in just making that growth happen. There's there's different things that comes up, you know, with any kind of growth like that for any business owner. You know, what are a few things that that you've learned or obstacles you've had to conquer? Communication is is still one of them. I mean, that's one that we have 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 waxed and waned on with with the effectiveness of it. Right, there was definitely a point when we were bringing on quite a few doors before we brought on another property manager, where I wasn't communicating effectively with one or two owners, and I started getting some feedback from them on that. And then I was realizing, okay, this is this is an area that I I need to do better on, or I need to delegate. So just you know having you know, that many new customers coming on, you know, even if it's just a handful of customers that all have a lot of doors, just managing the business, managing the people and managing the customers. That's where I had, you know, some struggles and, you know, had had to learn to delegate effectively. Well, elaborate on that a little bit, you know, how you delegated, did you have to hire people? What were, you know, what was a little bit of that process and handing things like that off? So some of the responsibilities I handed off to a senior property manager and I'm like, okay, you know, you're now going to coach some of the new property managers as they're coming in and, you know, you're the first line of defense before it gets to me with an internal question, delegating, you know, some basic bookkeeping stuff that I was doing, writing checks, paying bills, that sort of thing, delegating that to somebody else uh, in our office or bringing somebody on to, to take over that role because that was sucking up a lot of my time when I could be focusing on something else. Or what's your team like now, you know, compared to then, how's your team grown and what, what does that look like? Yeah. So this time last year, it was just really, it was just myself and then kind of a part-time assistant. Uh, And now we have two full-time property managers, a bookkeeper that also has property management history. So as we're capping out the other couple property managers on their max number of units, she's starting to take on units as well. We have a service coordinator or maintenance coordinator that fields and assigns all the calls through our maintenance team. We've got five maintenance guys in addition to him. And then we've also got a leasing agent. Wow. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's growth. That's a lot of growth very fast, right? You know, so what are some, what are some obstacles now that you're having to overcome with that kind of growth and and keeping that communication up and adding more units and all those things as as you're just compounding? One of the obstacles that we've been having to overcome most recently is just trying to hire more maintenance personnel. 
because every time, you know, you add a hundred units that, you know, is, is close to one guy for maintenance. And so being able to hire some, A, finding people that'll show up to an interview and then show up to the first day of work, <laughs> those are the small struggles, but, you know, just so that we cannot get, so we don't get behind in maintenance calls, you know, because when you start adding chunks, you add a hundred units in a month or a hundred units in a day, and then you've got that much more maintenance on the next day. And so just having the personnel to handle that, that was a, a struggle. You know, uh, 60 to 90 days ago we were having, and it was, Hey, you know, we're starting to get some calls from the, from the tenants that, you know, Hey, some of these maintenance, you know, they're not getting communicated with enough or not getting done as fast as they would like it. And so we, we heard that and we're like, hey, let's hire more people. Let's get it done. And now we're spot was okay. We're, we're on top of things right now. Things are getting done within a couple of days or sooner, depending on how urgent it is and just maintaining that customer relation with the, with the tenant. Wow. So how are you, how do you add value to the investors and uh, you know, what does that relationship look like? So one of the ways I add value is, is that I am an investor and I work with them through the due diligence process. And I'll tell this to any investor. I was like, bring me on the due diligence process. Even if you don't buy the property, I'm still going to be here for you guys. You will get my time. You'll get my attention. Let's do some analysis on the rents, the rent rolls, fees that we can add. Let's look at their profit and loss statement to see where we can improve that and see if that can improve your offer. Additionally, um, we have a construction company. We're Atlas Property Management. We have Atlas Atlas Construction. Uh, I have a partner in Atlas Construction. He kind of handles all the field operations. And so I'll bring him in and we will then start to, you know, we'll walk the property. We can put together rehab estimates per unit or for the whole building, depending on what needs to be done. So we can give you guys construction estimates. We can give the investors uh, rent estimates and performance metrics and hopefully give them an accurate picture on what it's going to cost them and what they're going to get in income. That is so valuable. I know we've had, you know, our management teams are, are, are such a big part of our due diligence process and just the reports that they provide and go helping us with leasing audits and things like that. I mean, it's, it's so valuable, so valuable, especially if they're going to be managing this property long-term for us. It's great that they're learning all that stuff about the property right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what we're walking into. And also this is a small thing, but I tell all the investors, I'm like, before you close, let me see all the leases and let me see your closing statement just so we can make sure you're getting the correct amount of prorated rents and security deposits. Cause that's a small thing. And if it's on a four unit building, that's not a big deal. But you know, we recently had it happen on a 20 unit where they didn't bring us in and you know, they've had to go back to the old, the seller twice for thousands of dollars. that was, you know, not accounted for in the leases or, you know, wasn't accounted for at closing. And so, yeah, Hey, there's more security deposits. Oh, by the way, nobody told us, but this one tenant still had seven months of prepaid rent floating out there. Wow. And we didn't figure it out until we got the leases a week after we started managing the property. (laughs) Any other horror stories that we can learn from, uh, you know, if you all, as you all have been called in to, to help, uh, help investors with these properties. If you're going to be doing a big value add and you're going to take a C minus property up to a mid to upper C, be prepared for a lot of vacancies. I mean, we're on, on two particular properties that we've been having to do large repositions in. Now we're at 50% vacancy on one. Now, granted, you know, a chunk of those properties are on the market now that we've done the rehab and that was always the goal. But, you know, we're having to go through evictions. We're dealing with pistols and pit bulls and drugs and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And it's like, oh, buddy, this isn't all it's cracked up to be sometimes. But, you know, when we have the, the end in sight, we know what it can be. And, you know, once you kind of make that turn, we've made it on the first property and we're getting close to making it on the second property to where it's like, okay, now I've just got one or two stragglers of the old guard. 
you know, but you're in, you know, the deferred maintenance on a property that has that kind of tenant and those kind of issues is probably going to be bigger than you estimate off the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I would hope that our management team could help us understand what to expect there, especially they're going to understand the market most likely better than we do, you know, just by managing tons of other units there. So let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, let's say, you know, a lot of the listeners are probably value add type of uh, investors and are you know, looking for deals like that or that business plan. Any words of wisdom you can add from being able to take a you know that class C property and make it into you know the C plus or B minus where you've seen people have mistakes or even even things they just don't know to expect like you just mentioned you know the the pistols and pit bulls and things like that that are you, you don't know to expect or to account for but any any other ways that we could be more prepared or even just with the relationship with the management company yeah I mean. Make sure that your management company knows what, knows what they're getting into to an extent. I mean, we've definitely been surprised at points. Get the opportunity to walk the units, talk to the current management company. But even talking to the current management company doesn't give you the full picture because this 34-unit property that we took over where we're dealing with you know drugs and guns and aggressive dogs and all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, it was a professional property management company here in Kansas City that you know, that has, has a large footprint and we're like, okay, well this, this should be decent, but it, it was an absolute disaster and people were behind on rents. People were living there that weren't on leases, no pet policy in place. Nobody was getting evicted. And, you know, we walked into it and I don't know why the law was this way, but one guy broke another guy's orbital socket right? This younger guy, maybe in his forties, broke this 70 year old guy's orbital socket and in a fight in the hallway or outside. And then he's not even on the lease, the guy that broke it and we can't get rid of him. Wow. So what do you do? What do you do to get rid of him? Call the police? Yeah. Well, he got arrested, but until he gets two offenses, he can't get a restraining order. So he was still allowed in the building. And it was just like, this is, this is ridiculous. So and finally, you know, we, and then the courts opened back up. This was, of course, this was all during COVID. So then the courts opened back up. So we get possession of the unit probably next week. Uh, but it's been like this long ongoing saga. And it's just like, goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, we have so many more problems with tenants that we didn't place. If we can place the tenants, our collections are higher, our dramas less, our maintenance requests are less, everything. But we take over property like that. And everybody's like, well, all the tenants like, well, welcome to the Thunderdome because the people before you sucked. <laughs> Speaking of COVID, you know, uh, uh, let's let's definitely just spend a couple minutes there. And why don't you give us a highlight of kind of what happened with uh, vacancy and income and, you know, just numerous things there that uh, over the last few months, right, three or four months, and then into, you know, kind of what you see, you know, happening over the next few months. Yeah, so... We've been brought in a lot of reposition properties right now. So everybody's like, well, what was your collections during COVID? I'm like, I have a hard time telling because our collections were low because we were taking over these properties that were poorly managed to begin with. We had, you know, non-paying tenants on properties that we took over one week before the whole world got shut down. They're not going to start paying now. So it's hard. But generally, if we exclude those tenants that were bad tenants before, uh, we had pretty decent collections, all in all. We're we're pretty happy. We were 90, 95% during COVID. We worked, you know, we worked with tenants. We got some of them on payment plans. We were able to use some security deposits and get them switched over to a rhino policy. 
if they were uh, towards the end of their lease or on month to month and going to put on a new lease. Uh, Rhino is a security deposit insurance or security deposit alternative. So we were able to, to use their security deposit to help them out there. But generally, it's it's been okay. We had a lot of units that we were completing rehabs on during COVID. And so once those rehabs got completed, we started showing them, but they still got leased up. We had a ton of showings. Our occupancy has been increasing during the whole COVID. Nice. So what what do you see happening or any, you know, for, I mean, forecasting in the next couple of months? Most people have gone back to work here in Kansas City. You know, we have just a handful of tenants that are still having issues. And at this point, we're either trying to work with them. And if they just stop communicating with us, then we're going to have to send them to the attorney because, you know, we have to manage this property appropriately. But if you're not going to communicate with us, we don't really have any other options at that point. Going forwards, people are working now. Most people are working. So I, I think that we're going to get back to a little bit. Life is normal from the income side of things. I don't think life is not normal in terms of you know how we enter the units or going to Home Depot to pick up supplies or whatever that is. But I think as far as um, you know, getting the units occupied, keeping them occupied, and collecting rent, we're going to be back to normal. What's been the hardest part of this uh, real estate journey for you, Colin, or maybe even uh, just growing this uh, management company? Uh, just learning from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I've never really been afraid of failure, but sometimes when you do stuff and it is a failure, you know, just having to take your licks and be like, okay, well, I learned from that one. Let's let's get up and make sure I don't do that again. So, you know, cool. I've learned that more on my personal investments probably than I have through the property management company. Just because I spent a couple of years learning on my own properties before I started a management company. You know, working with this many investors, I like to ask people, you know, how do you prepare for a potential downturn or getting to see as many properties as you do? Or is there, are there specific things that you like to see an owner have in place or have done or certain numbers to say, okay, you know, he's, he's prepared for, you know, for the next downturn or, you know, some kind of shortfall? My advice is, you know, to these investors, especially the ones that want to do value add is don't go buy the most expensive property. And not even that, the most expensive rent. Don't buy a property that has the highest rents in town because you're going to be the first one that's either going to have to cut the rent amount or you're going to have to have vacancies. So if you can just buy a working class property that people are coming up through and people are coming down to, you know, you're probably going to see a pretty good rent collection and a pretty good occupancy. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to our business? Recently, uh, within the last month or six weeks, we implemented Monday.com, a project management software. And we use that for when we have uh, units go vacant. And that allows the whole team to communicate on. So we'll have, you know, it'll have myself, it'll have the property manager, it'll have our leasing agent, it'll have our maintenance coordinator, it'll have construction brought in. And we're all on this and we built out a bunch of steps. So, you know, as it goes through, then it pings the next person line, hey, this is this is Europe because we were figuring out that was a bottleneck we were having was unit terms and just making sure everything was getting done in a timely manner. And we were getting security deposit inspections done and security deposit work done within 30 days to get that money returned or partially returned. So that was what we've implemented recently that's helped us systematize more things. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Networking and hustle, I guess. I've just always I've just been real with people. I haven't tried to try to sell them on something that we're not. How do you like to give back? We're really involved in our church. So I like to work with the, the youth there and, uh, and some missions work as well. Wow. Well, Colin, I'm, I'm grateful for your time and just your story and your, your hustle like you talked about. 
and just making this happen and just uh, congratulations on the growth and really raising the bar for the just property management in general. Uh, I know that will pay off long term, no doubt about it. And so tell the listeners though how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah. So if you want to reach me directly, you can uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, Colin Douthit. Uh You could reach out to our website, uh, www.atlas.rentals. Yeah. Either of those ways you can get a hold of me and be glad to chat with anybody if they have any questions. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.